Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Tiny Tavern Talks, your go-to podcast for all things D&D. We're all about embracing the chill, keeping it as cozy as your favorite pair of slippers. Now, whether you're a seasoned adventurer or just think about rolling your first D20, this is the spot for some laid-back chatter on character builds, DM tips, and everything quite in between. Pull up a digital bar stool, grab your virtual drink or a real one, whichever one works, and let's geek out together about the enchanting worlds of Dungeons & Dragons. No pressure, no judgment. Just good old fun dice and roll. I'll start off by introducing myself. I'm Nas, and my co-host with me yes, here. Yes, hi. Uh, my name is Ali. And we're going to talk to you guys about what is Tiny Tavern as a whole, and also we're going to get into like the first episode what it's all about. So we're going to talk about the channel, talk about the plans for the channel, the idea behind it, and we're going to talk to you guys about some of the first character builds mm-hmm. we just posted and launched, and the path moving forward. First of all, on your perspective, Ali, what is Tiny Tavern? Well, uh, for me, it's an opportunity to share builds, to share fun thematic builds that are optimized to some extent. And the same time, they tell a story. It's not just a mesh of classes that just like that 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 are meshed together just because they work well. No, there needs to be like a flavor behind them. Like it's like you're building your character. That role play essence is very important of these of the character builds that I create. Awesome. So to give people perspective, like a little background, Ali's a player and I'm a DM. So we're going to give you guys a little perspective from both sides of, both sides of each coin. Because some of the channels strictly focus on like DM tips and some channels focus on, you know, player builds. But the way we're, we're actually approaching player builds is the characters we're going to be creating or like the classes or whatever, we're going to give it life. So the characters will be speaking as if it's speaking by itself. So we're going to be using the power of AI. We're going to use a lot of small tips and like uh, some tricks here and there to make each character feel come to life. And you can adapt it to any campaign you guys are rolling with, whether it's a regular D&D campaign, a whole new campaign. And another another thing I would add is also like these builds are made with teamwork in mind. Uh, The first four builds we released, basically they work together amazingly as a team as a, as a party of four plus also if you take the build on its own and you try to fit it in your campaign you're joining a new session you can pick one up and it works amazingly on its own yeah i think that's going to be important for people to know like whether all these builds that we're going to be doing is it like a pick up and play right away in any campaign or is it specific to playing all these four together or not no the as i said like the for example one of the builds that we made the warmonger you can Pick it up and it works in every in every campaign. You can play it in Schalt, you can play it in Fandelver. Like the character works. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, go for it. So, so sometimes we might be speaking on top of each other because we're this is online and sometimes there's like a little small bit of lag and we apologize for that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's about it. That's basically the the the, the gist of it. Like these builds, they work on their own greatly and they work as a as as a as a bundle together as well. So you technically already revealed the first build you did. Yeah. So you know what? We're we're gonna like. Take the cat out of the bag. We'll start off with the builds, and then we'll talk about the other stuff later on. So we'll start off with the first build. You talked about the yes. warmonger. Give us a little background on what it is, how you built it, and when it came to you, like what was the inspiration behind it? So my first character I played was a half-orc fighter. And at first, I didn't understand the game much, the mechanics. I just t- took fighter because it was simple and easy to understand. Plus, I like to play melee characters that charge in, attack, but now after like a while experiencing different classes and different subclasses I can finally create that fantasy that I always wanted to play with my half work a warmonger right someone that's skilled in combat that has utility that has some rage in him 
and in the same time that follows uh, an oath that set that he set for himself. Like think of it as a as a goal, and basically all of this sh- is shaped up with three different multi classes to get that flavor correct. Nice. So technically speaking, the warmonger is not necessarily a cloud yeah. of Dungeons and Dragons. So whenever you're Whenever you're like meshing some of these classes together, you're giving it like yeah, its yeah. own name to make it seem like its own. Yeah, because a, l- a lot of times when you're playing, right, and like you're leveling, and it's like, okay, you guys dinged what, like, what, where you're gonna put your level and whatnot, and it always feels off, right? Like, okay, now uh, I'm two levels paladin, and I want to become a warlock out of nowhere. And, you know, there's no, there's no sense behind it. It's like, for a warlock, for example, you need a pact. How did you get that pact? It doesn't happen yeah, like instantaneous. So. You either prepare it with your DM beforehand and like you can walk through, like work through some things. That's why when I create these characters, I create them as their own full custom class in a sense. So it doesn't make sense. I know a lot of people want to like dive more and they don't, they don't feel that D&D 5e has enough classes per se. So giving them your own, like, I guess, taste or like your own special feel to it or twist, it gives a little variety to how you play the character. Well, yeah, I see that because... When it comes to classes, there is a bunch of classes, but like not all of them fill this, the, all the criteria. Because D and D is a growing game, and there's a growing fan base, and there are so many other games other than D and D that have different classes that you don't really see in D and D. And some of those classes, might, you might like resonate more with than the classes in D and D. So, for example, I told you the Warmonger was one of them, like a a character that I wanted to play, but no one class gave me enough to 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 in to to have this fantasy while playing so talking about the warmonger how about you get more into details on how did you level it what class what classes and subclasses you picked how did you make so, it happen first things first is first level obviously half orc is the race uh half orc for race mostly for flavor because i love half orcs and it works thematically right half orcs are like half humans so they have that intelligence i would say and the orc part is the aggressive savage tribalistic aspect of it so when you mix both of them you get this best of both worlds race right and uh i went first level for example uh, with this uh, character and as, and as a paladin for items for equipment and whatnot i went for gold buy uh why gold buy because paladins uh, restricts you only to chainmail at level one when you choose your equipments and for this build, I wanted to get uh, scale mail. Later on, we will see why scale mail is better than chain mail. <laughs> but yeah, so first, well, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. And the most important thing for me is 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 uh, visualizing the character. Like when you when you pick this character, when I when I was making this character, I had an image in mind, and chain mail really didn't fit. And also worked out later on with our multi classes. Uh, we'll get to it in a bit. But yeah, as I said, first level, you're a paladin. And for ability score, I would, let's say point by method, because it's the most uh, generic or people can follow. Obviously, if you roll for stats, you allocate your number one stat to strength. You need to have at least 14 dexterity, a good amount of constitution, and around 14 charisma is good. So with point by, as I said earlier, it's 14 strength, 14 dexterity, 13 constitution, and 14 charisma. You'll be left out with one point. You can put one point in whenever you want. It won't make a difference. The reason I went 
14 for strength is because plus two from uh, half orc rounds you up to 16, which is the highest you can get, plus three modifier with point five. Dexterity 14, because we're taking a scale mail, and that will round up our AC to 16 AC. And constitution, obviously, for survivability. And charisma, because paladin. <laughs> to be able to multi-class outside of paladin, you'll need at least 13 charisma, so writing it up for a plus two would help you with some spell option that you might pick. And yeah, so the first level, we're going paladin. We're getting our uh, Lay on Hand, Divine Sense. So far, your character is just walk in, attack, then five points of Lay on Hand, heal yourself, or with an ally if they fall. They're very useful, but they're not the focus yet. At second level, same thing, we're going to stick with Paladin here. But second level is when Paladin finally comes online, because they get their fighting style, and, and they get their uh, Divine Smite and spell casting. So, and for fighting style, I went for defense. Great weapon fighter is a viable option, but for now we don't we won't get much out of it. Like at, on average, it only increases one point two damage, so it's it's not that important. But when you're talking about defense, for example, that bumps up your AC now to seventeen, that will save you from a lot of hits and you have better survivability. Third level is when we get uh, the oath, the sacred oath, and for the oath, I went for conquest, warmonger, <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah, makes sense. You want to go conquer, yeah, get exactly. So Conquest, Paladin, they have a very strong channel divinity, which is, uh, uh, it's an AOE, Frighten. It's a wisdom saving throw. Very clutch, very important. And the generic Paladin uh, channel divinity is plus 10 to hit. So both of them are very, situ uh, the plus 10 to hit is, is specifically good. Like when you're fighting a very strong mod that's like very hard to hit and you just want to finish him off with a smite, you can use it there. But I still feel the AOE Frighten helps a lot. Specifically early on as a martial uh, character, you don't have many AOE options to deal with enemies, so frightening them can help control the situation a bit. You get also all spells, but none of them that that are very like uh, important for the build. Command is very flavorful, I like to use it in and outside of combat. And fourth level, we get our ASIs, ability score improvements. Both of them on strength, rounding up our strength to 18. And at level 5, which is our last Paladin level, we get extra attack. Now from here, the build starts to shape up. At level 5, you're a very strong character by now. You're stacked twice, you can smite twice per turn. Your burst output is really good. And you have 25 points of uh, Lay on Hands. So you can cure 5 diseases or heal for 25. So you're very versatile at this point. You can like also help support your allies with the uh, Lay on Hand points. But then at level 6 is where we're doing our first multi-class. Yeah, go ahead. So level 5, so basically 1 through 5, we're sticking to Paladin, we're going Conquest. Yes. We're building the foundation with Correct. Conquest, right? yep. Picking up the extra attack. Alright, so the first multi-class starts at level 6. Yes, level 6, we're going Barbarian. Two reasons. Rage. Second reason? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and second reason will be Reckless Attack. Now, at level 6, we get Rage. And uh, the reason we took Medium Armor in the beginning of this character instead of chainmail, is because medium armor, you can rage while medium armor. While wearing heavy armor, you can't rage. And we have plus two to dex that rounds up to 16, so it's very... So basically, you're st you still have your defenses, you still have plus one defense style, plus you can rage, halving damage. Obviously, rage, half damage from bludgeoning, slashing, piercing damage. Now, at level seven, as we take another level up, at, uh, of Barbarian, Reckless Attack, advantage on attacks, and you get advantage back on you. Very, very, very strong ability. And to get advantage as a marshal in general, literally makes or breaks your character. 
increasing the rates of your attacks, specifically like when we're talking about like mostly a Nova damage build. Nova damage is basically a, a burst damage build. Your uh, your sustained DPR is still really good, but the focus of this build is Nova. So having advantage on demand like this is very good. And you can also cancel out disadvantages with the uh, reckless attack. You also get danger sense, which is a fun, neat trick that barbarians get. Clearly, you have advantage yeah. on saving throws against effects that you can see, like traps and spells. So it's yeah, it's basically the sixth sense. And then level three is where we get our barbarian subclass. Now, if this was a purely optimized, no flavor build, I would go for like the bear totem barbarian to get the full resistances. But that's not really the goal. We want a build that will perform and a build that has that flavor. Oh, you'll hear me say flavor a lot. <laughs> yeah, you 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 want you want that background yes. story. You want yes. that. So, eighth level, we're gonna finally get our uh, barbarian subclass primal path, and we're going for zealot. Zealot. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, zealot gives you an extra one d eight plus half your barbarian level in damage. Once per turn on the first attack when you rage, which is not a lot of damage, but in the same time, it's still, it's still dashed. <laughs> the flavor behind it is really good, specifically later on, because the the this something that I realized: the longer campaigns go, the harder death becomes. Like when you invest in a character from like eight levels in that you've been playing weekly for like a couple of months now, and then they die, it's really hard to take. Coming from a DM's perspective, kill, killing off not killing off characters, having the players lose the character halfway through a campaign, it's pretty hard, especially yeah. if they have no way, no ways to revive and you know get them back. But at the same time, it is part of the game. Yeah, correct. But see, but the zealot here helps us with its warrior of the gods. So at third level, the your soul is marked for endless battle. If a spell such as raise dead has the sole effect of restoring you to life. The caster doesn't need material components to cast a spell on you. Now, this is great because mid-combat, getting rezzed and going straight back to action, no material needed, is very good. You're like this undying machine of death. You only want to kill, you want to conquer. Uh, unless the DM <laughs> is sick me and counter spells the, 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 the river fight. The <laughs> <combat. laughs> then the... Uh, it hurts. Totally, they don't waste any resources. So, <laughs> but yeah, at fourth level is where the big damage comes in again. Going for great weapon master. Now, great weapon master gives you a minus ten penalty to on uh, on attacks to hit, but gives you a raw plus ten to damage. So, just to put in perspective for people, we've now reached level nine for the total character yes. level. We've hit five paladin, and we're on our fourth level of barbarian. Yes. 10 raw damage on attacks with your, your your great weapons, right? Now, this the penalty of minus 5 is very tough usually, but since you have advantage on every attack, you really don't care about the minus 10. Minus 5, I mean. And after this, we're going to multi-class into fighter. So, so I guess that's the, little, that's the, the trifecta where you like run. Yes. Yes. Right? So before I get to fighter, I want to point something out in the beginning. Earlier on, that's like a, a hint for like optimizing gold as well. Uh, when we went for gold by method, instead of getting the the, the set items you get as a paladin, uh, the, we went for scale mill. And for weapon, 
I recommend the Maul. Now, Maul is a very underrated, underused weapon. It's 40 gold cheaper than a greatsword, does the same dice damage, plus it's bludgeoning damage. And bludgeoning damage is way better than slashing damage the more you play. So that's just a side note about uh, the starting weapon. I think I forgot to mention it earlier. Also, don't forget, some people like some people do have a preference for slash Correct. Yes. damage. So yeah, in. Not well, yeah, if you're all good. So I guess it depends. <laughs> yeah. Day, if you, yeah. yeah, if you're all good and the gold buy, sure, buy your fifty gold great sword. No one's gonna talk to you. <laughs> but let's say you're all a bet. Uh, you can go for a humble mole. Even flavor wise, it's very, it's a very like intimidating weapon. Like someone walking to you with a sword is not someone. Like, it's not like someone walking to you with like a great hammer. Wait, mauling someone in the face. Uh, and it works against skeletons. Uh, and yeah, fighter. It does level so level ten total levels. First level fighter. We're going to get our second win. Bonus action heal for one d ten plus your fighter level, and you get a fighting style. Now here, I would say great weapon fighting is good. Why is great weapon fighting? Because you will see in a bit, in two more levels. <laughs> and second level, we get action surge. You get another action. So you can, so basically by now, how it looks for you is your turn starts, you rage, you attack, smite, attack, smite, action surge, attack, smite, all of these with advantage, doing a lot of damage. Now, the only thing, yeah, the only, that's a lot of dice as well. <laughs> now, to improve on it, we I went for champion fighter. And champion fighter... So now we're at level 12. Yes, right? we are level 12, three levels into fighter. So we take the martial archetype, which is champion. Now, I was stuck between battle master and champion. Master is very... Gives you more... Like, it's more situational. It gives you more options to deal with specific situations. You're a warmonger. <laughs> You want to hit and you want to hit hard. So increasing the crit chance is really, really strong, specifically since you're rolling with advantage. So the rates of you getting a crit is even higher, which is like 19 to 20. Well, having a 19 and a 20 is better than just having a 20. Exactly. Plus, when you crit and you smite, you double your damage. And it's uh, it's a lot of damage. Yeah, plus adding your, your great weapon fighting to the mix. You're dealing a lot of burst round. Like turn one, you single out an enemy and <laughs> you show them what's up. A lot of DMs are not going to like that. <laughs> you know, having a, a high burst round, you know, preparing a villain for the past month, having, having it one shot randomly. <laughs> well, at this level, when you're talking about 12, it's not really going to be a one shot against most enemies. Sure, some enemies might get one shot, one shotted by this. If you roll high and you crit and like all the, all the things are in your favor, plus let's say you have an ally that's buffing a wizard casting haste on you. All these things <laughs> add to the damage, of course. But all in all, it's a very, very solid build. It's a very strong build. It's a very flavorful build. It's something that you, like, you're going to feel like a warmonger playing this character. You're fearless. You're charismatic. You're intimidating. You have a presence on the field. And another thing that gives me pride as a player is when, when, when the DM starts taking you into consideration in combat. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, this guy. Well, yeah, sometimes the DM has to readjust the encounters. If, if, if one certain character like is way overpowered compared to the party, it makes it hard to balance. But usually, like the whole point of the, playing the game is for every character to enjoy it, and we don't want one character to keep one-shotting everyone. So, of course, yeah. ba it's a balancing act between the players and the DM. And yeah, 
giving a challenge to a certain player sometimes is actually a good yeah. now i did a so we're stopping at level 12, level 12. Because... so most campaigns <laughs> i think the highest level campaigns go in 5e is 14 if i remember correctly you have no you have the you have one book the, the mad mage that goes on to level okay. 20 it's like like a massive dungeon well most of them it's between level 15 to 12 to 15 that's usually when it ends usually well yeah for this build and of course well people are people coming from Gate now also look at level 12 as a last level yeah I, I guess true 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 but yeah it's something I also wanted to add it so the builds you're, the builds you're going to be giving everyone is basically the builds you're going to be doing are going to be yeah, level 12 and whatever is after that is going to be up to people's imagination well yeah like if, if I would if I could give like an advice about this build after getting your champion 3 you can snag uh, ability score improvements at level 4 fighter you know uh, get it up to 20 then put everything into paladin get more spell slots if you're going all the way to 20 that is okay. so yeah so but basically for me like with most campaigns we played and most campaigns like the most that uh like the most level uh, even through watching youtube and watching campaigns level 12 seems to be like that level where like you've reached you know like your character is complete yeah, at level 12, characters feel very yeah. strong. And you can take on a lot of... Yeah, at fast... A lot of bosses. At fast, that is where, like, spellcasters just become too... In my opinion, too strong. Like, marshals can't keep up. Sure, marshals might keep up with damage. But, like, when you reach that point, damage isn't everything. Like, compared to the spells, like a... a, a like, a level 20 wizard casting wish. That's always the saying. A level 20 wizard casting wish. <laughs> What will a fighter? Yeah, okay. It's it's not it's, it's not a common situation. He still he's time to cast it. And all of this. There's a lot of things that go behind it. But yeah, I understand. Of course, uh, martial classes in five e do needs a yeah. do need a bigger big boost compared to yeah for this build specifically. We don't know. I will see what happens. To... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying uh, I crunched some numbers and I have like an Excel sheet showing me like average damage of, of the Nova round and whatnot. And if anyone is interested by yeah. this, I'll make sure to, to pin a link in the description and y'all can see it. So everything we're talking about, so basically just before we continue with mm -hmm. the builds, uh, we've already posted a short. So the way that the way that the channel works is we're going to have shorts for every single build where the character himself speaks. In the case of the Warmonger, Garamash. his name is yes. Garamash. Exactly. So Garamash the Warmonger, he's going to be speaking for himself in the video. And he's going to be telling you guys a bit of his backstory. So we're going to be doing that for every single character build that we ever do. Which we, we think it's pretty boring to just, you know, give you a character sheet and tell you just point here or there. Giving life to a character is always more interesting. Well, for us at least. And we're enjoying, we enjoy doing it. So we figure yep. we might as well do it. We're not good voice actors. Hence why we have to use some of the AI to, you know, alter voices and whatnot. But at the end of the day, everything is, uh, is done by yes. us. Now... The next character build is goes a bit towards my direction because I'm more of a ca I'm I'm a cast I love casters mm -hmm. in general, especially warlocks, my favorite class. So you, you built a witch yes. right? It's very inspired from from Diablo. <laughs> that's, that's what I got. That's the oh well, yeah, I guess yeah, you can see it that way from Diablo. But for me, just the idea of a witch doctor, of a primitive magic caster, like a like a, a voodoo themed character, always interested me, right? There's a lot of weapons as well. What did you call them? Ah, the guy Sembako. Yeah, nice. Sembako. And the name it fits it fits. Yeah. And the name yeah. and the name of the class is Witch Doctor. Like this is the, the, the vibe I went for. 
this class. All right, let's go. Let's t- t- tell us a bit about the uh, boxer. Well, how much the level? What's the, what's the so I want to. How'd you go as sure. So from the beginning, you we start artificer, right? You start correct. Artificer. Now artificer might sound like the furthest thing away from primitive, <laughs> <laughs> but we're here for a very specific <laughs> subclass. Okay, so yeah, level one, you're going artificer and uh, abilities following uh, point by method, obviously. You're going eight strength, 15 dexterity, 12 constitution, 13 intelligence, and 15 charisma with eight wisdom. As for race, we're going very... Not very nice. He's not very wise and a bit frail. He's not very wise. Very charismatic. He's the type of doctor that will uh, <laughs> give you some frog oil and tell you to rub it and, it till, and you will believe him. Yeah, rub it, you'll feel good. And he'll just... <laughs> okay. And you'll believe... <laughs> it just works. Because charisma... <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, That's good. For his race, I went for a varied human. And as for the feet, I went shadow touched. Now, shadow touched for two reasons. First of all, it's a half feet. Gives yes, charisma. gives you plus one charisma. Plus, you get invisibility and false life. Now, false life is the choice you get from the first level spells, and I picked false life. Casting it once a day for free, getting that bonus health, and we rolled very, like, we put very low uh, points in the constitution. It's a 12 constitution. So having that extra health specifically early on will really help you. But yeah, for your equipment as a witch doctor, it's very straightforward. You might want to go for the starting equipment of an artificer. You get a lot of it, a lot out of it. You can get your crossbow, which is basically going to be your primary damage dealing weapon. You can pick up a shield. The, the light or the a light, light crossbow, crossbow, yes. Because right? yes. they don't have uh, martial weapon proficiencies. Crossbow, a shield, studded leather. I'd go for a blow dart. <laughs> I realized I, I wanted to make blow dart work, but to make it work, uh, it's it's very... First of all, it's a martial weapon, right? So artificers can't use it from yeah. the get-go. And I would need to sidetrack the build a lot. And uh, with the 12 levels that I'm working with, it didn't really feel like it's worth it. So are players stuck taking only light crossbow or can they like flavor it in other ways? Well, up to your imagination and your DM. For me, I just like to think of it as a primitive crossbow. If you really... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like... But sure, you're a witch doctor, but you know what I mean. Like you're just you're, you're still yeah you're you're still knowledgeable. Uh, like uh, I I don't think uh, how many le- how many levels how many levels are we doing? Ah, uh, artificer. Is it just no no no? So for artificer, we're going four levels. Now every level we get more okay stuff. So for example, at level one, uh, we get magical tinkering. We get four spell casting and cantrips. Uh, I'd recommend spare the dying for cantrips. Always clutch. Specifically early game, yes. Because early game, you don't have many spell slots. Someone might fall. No way to bring them up. At least you can spare the dying. For other spells, you can take the usual, like detect magic, fairy fire. Fairy fire is very nice fla- like flavor-wise with the witch doctor. Identify is very good as well. You get a lot of nice trink- like tricks and abilities from a witch doctor, from an artificer. But we're here mostly for the third level, right? But before we get there, like second level, we get uh, item infusions. Like artificer infusions. Red and blood. Yeah, basically. Infusion. Right? So for this, I like to take... uh, You can take repeating shots for your crossbow. You can take uh, for that plus one and magical effect. Personal recommendations would be enhanced arcane focus. Plus one bonus to spell attack rolls. Enhanced defense is very good. 
wielding your shield, boosting up your AC, more survivability. Another important one that will stick with you throughout is Bag of Holding. Now, a Bag of Holding at level 2 is very strong, specifically when you're playing a character that, that relies on, the, on alchemy and, and herbalism. Now, we picked up alchemy proficiency from Artificer, and for the background, we took Hermit, and uh, Hermit gives you proficiency in herbalism. So I take it the specialization for the Artificer in level 3 will be an alchemist. Correct. <laughs> now, at third level, you are an alchemist. Now, the best and worst feature. Now, a lot of people like to talk bad about this feature, calling it very, like, underwhelming and whatnot and very random. But with this character build, I figured a way that we can use it in a very fun way. Like, we're basically, we're going to be using this feature a lot. Now, what the feature does is it's called Experimental Elixir. Uh, every time you finish a long rest, you can magically produce an Experimental Elixir. Uh, in an empty flask that you touch. Roll, roll on the experimental elixir table and you get special uh, different effects. You have the healing, swift, swiftness, resilience, boldness, flight, and transformation. Now, sure, you get one randomly, but you can also spend your spell slots to create ones that you want specifically. The best one, in my opinion, between these, you have resilience is really good. It gives you plus one AC. Boldness is really good. You roll an extra D4. And you add the numbers roll to every attack roll and the uh, end saving throw you make for the next minute. Flight is very strong as well. I think people like some people don't like it due to the fact of its of it being inconsistent in terms of like what you can get. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's very versatile. Yes. I find that it could be very useful. Well, the reason is it's people like uh, not people like even me myself. I wouldn't build an artificer alchemist and just leave it at that because. You need to make a choice while you're doing your short rest, your long rest, right? And then you're stuck with whatever you picked, correct? And now let's say you spent all your spell slots to create yeah. these potions and then the next day comes in and you don't have spell slots. You have to attack with your crossbow or your whatever magical weapon you have. Unlike uh, Battlesmith, you don't get extra attack. You don't get scaling with your intelligence on your attacks. So damage-wise, you're very underwhelming and... Spell slot wise, you're like a half caster as an as an artificer, so it's very underwhelming from that aspect as well. This is like how I see it from my perspective. Maybe someone can make it work. Maybe I can make it work one day <laughs> once I get better at this, even better because I'm already good. Uh, <laughs> Might as well try it. To Build for the future. So after we're done with the alchemy, yeah. we're gonna take actually one here. more level, an artificer in our final level to bump up our charisma. Now, our charisma should be, at this point, around 18. Yeah, it's 18 charisma. Okay. And let's say, like, listen, okay, four levels in, you have 18 charisma, you have 13 intelligence. Oh, I mean, 14 intelligence. How would you play this character? My advice would be all your spell slots, all of them, on creating uh, the alchemy, the, the experimental elixirs. Every long rest, make all the elixirs. Their effects, are very strong, specifically because you're going to be selecting them, correct? And it's less things to worry about. You can yeah. focus more, more on the RP aspect, since you already have that high charisma. Talk your way out of situations, talk to your, you know, like, try to play a more RP-heavy character. Enjoy this character. And I feel that this character is a very fun character to play. Extremely fun, very flavorful. You're not going to be performing, and I'll be honest, you're not going to be, at this level specifically, you're not going to be performing as good as a wizard or a sorcerer that's like casting very strong damaging spells or whatnot 
but you have your nation you're very good at it but that but you being this weakling guy he won't last long because at fourth level sir martial classes don't have their extra attack yet so you can still compete with them with dpr with your crossbow and it's magical as well so that's another advantage but fifth level come and you go into warlock okay so we're, we're multi-classing to warlock and yes. five that's actually pretty smart, considering uh, Eldritch Blast gets a... Exactly. Now, your level 5 and your Eldritch Blast already hits twice. And your otherworldly patron, I uh, went for the undead. Through rituals, you managed to create a pact with uh, your patron, or, or the patron finally gave you the attention that you wanted. And, uh, and, 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 and the undead patron, like, for example, Bon Samdi from uh, World of Warcraft. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. It's 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 so, like Bon Samdi. Yeah. yeah. He's a patron. One Samdi is your patron. Okay, so like an evil shaman. Yeah, basically. Like your studies throughout, like you're you're you've been a witch doctor, you've been training to become a witch doctor, and you're finally and finally your patron accepted you. So level five is a big deal for the this class, flavor wise, role play wise, and I guess also damage wise. We've kind of maxed, we've almost maxed out our charisma, and we're suddenly getting to average. Correct. Now, at this point, you wouldn't be using your uh, magical crossbow anymore. And one of the infusion choices that you might have if you have Xanathors is the Dark Shard Amulet. Now, the Dark Shard Amulet is a magical item that works as a spell casting focus that artificers can create. And it can allow you to cast any warlock cantrip as long as you succeed at DC 10 saving throw. Is it strong? Not necessarily. Is it flavorful? It is. <laughs> like it, it links. <laughs> so you, you want to stick with you want to stick with the rule of cool, the rule of flavor for your for your sake of the rule of flavor. So it, if it fits the how flavor, I say it, it, it's like it's like it creates a uniform, uh, like that's like the the the, the transfer the, the transfer from alchemist into warlock through a gameplay perspective and also flavor wise as well. That's pretty cool. Right? And as I said earlier, so you're going to get spells and cantrips for being a warlock. Eldritch Blast, obviously. So how long How long are we staying a warlock, guys? Eight levels into warlock. Till level eight. Till level 12. Okay, so we're, we're, we're going neat yes. into warlock throughout to the foreseeable future. Now, okay. you get Form of Dread, which is a nice survivability option. <laughs> you gain bonus hit points equal to 1d10 plus your warlock level. So right now it's just 1d10 plus 1, but... At the end, the build is plus eight. Okay. Once during each of your turns, you're gonna get a lot of invocation. If we're going, if we're going eight levels, we're going through a lot of invocations. And what are the invocations you picked for this? We'll game? get to them in a bit. Now, I just want to talk about form of dread first because form of dread, whenever you hit an anim- an enemy, you force them to make a wisdom saving throw, or they'll be frightened. And with eldritch blast, you can target two different enemies and hopefully proc that CC. Plus, you are immune to being frightened. Now, as you said, the Eldritch Invocations, the weakness of every human is their sight. <laughs> so we're taking Devil's Sight. Plus, that's that's quite a strong feat. <laughs> Devil's Sight is really extremely strong. strong. Plus, we're taking Agonizing Blast. Okay, so the extra damage for your Eldritch Blast. Yes. Even the second level is becomes strength. Yeah, and another nice thing about this build also is you can use... now. Your, your your experimental elixirs, you can also use your warlock spell slots to create them. And your warlock spell slots, they come in a short rest. So after you finish a long rest... Oh, yeah, so that kind of makes it... Yes, yeah, so you can make them more often. Sure, you can make them only during long rest, but you can spend all your warlock spell slots to create the elixirs and then your short rest and you have them all back up again. 
plus your few artificer spell slots. Now, at level 2, as we said, we get the Eldritch Invocations, Agonizing Blast for more damage, because your Charisma is already high, might as well utilize it, and Devil's Sight. And at level 3, we get our Pact Bolt. Bolt Pact so, The beauty of this build is Chain, Talisman, and Tome, three of them, they work amazingly. This is a very PYF thing, like pick your favorite, depending on the scenario and the campaign you're playing. They all can be flavored. They, 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 they're all already f- good flavors for a witch doctor. Like having a a small witch doctor closet following you around. <laughs> As a bone through his nose. Yeah, that's true. The talisman, the tome. So basically, whichever you want to enjoy the most. Basically. For this build, I went for Pact of the Chain. Uh, I enjoy having pets a lot. Every time I play, like this was yeah. <laughs> our first campaign. Remember, I tried to make a pet so bad. That's <laughs> true. A lot of players, when they play D and D, they want to have pets. Pets for so- having a pet is so important <laughs> for these for a lot of players. Well, yeah. Uh, so as I said, pick your favorite. But for this build, we're going for back to the chain. At fourth level, you're gonna set your charisma to level tw- uh, to twenty points plus two charisma from eighteen to twenty. At third level, I forgot to mention, you also get two spell slots. Yeah, yeah. at third level, you get two spell slots from from Warlock. Now, fifth level, as a as a Warlock, you get your Eldritch Invocation Maddening Hex. Every time you hex, yeah, it's extremely. (laughs) Now, every time you hex, you cause psychic disturbance around the target cursed by your hex spell or by a Warlock feature. Like, let's say you're a Hexblade Warlock. When you do so, you deal psychic damage to the cursed target and each creature of your choice that you can see within five feet of it. So it's a very nice AOE option for you with your hex. Because so far, you're yeah. when it comes to damage, your DPR, your hexing, eldritch blasting, and when it comes to support, you still have your artificer spell slots. You get healing word from the alchemy. You can heal with a bonus action. You're a very support focused, sustained damage character. You still do a lot of damage. You're still dishing out a lot of damage. Compared, yeah, maxed out charisma with Eldritch Bash. It's <laughs> but it is, it is a lot of damage. Yeah. At sixth level of Warlock, now we're talking level ten. You get your Grave Touched, which is your subclass feature. Now you no longer need to eat, drink, or breathe. You have ascended as a Witch Doctor. Now, and you can basically now another. Yeah. That's the that that tops it off. You can also turn your damage into necrotic damage when you're in form of dread. Which okay. some extent that's helpful depending on yes, but is. rarely anyone resists force damage. True, but still having necrotic damage. Maybe you meet an enemy that's weak to necrotic. You never know. And through your hex, through your hex, you can test out if they are weak to it. <laughs> yeah, at level seven, you get another eldritch invocation, and this is going to be your final one, which is sign of ill omen. This is, I picked it mostly flavor-wise because you bestow a curse, and you're a witch doctor. I like that thing and it also works with your maddening hex yeah okay and finally for your ability for your final level the eighth level in warlock for a total of 12 levels you get your ability score improvement and here we're gonna take a feat and the feat we're taking is lucky now so i know some tables they ban this feat okay. uh, the lucky feat as is it's broken or it's very strong so let's say you're in a campaign where lucky is banned or you can't really use it mobile works amazingly Healer can work, but mostly I feel Lucky does an amazing, an amazing job. Lucky is a very good <laughs> yes. thing for very, very yeah. reasons. 
the re-rolling. <laughs> All right, so this wraps the witch doctor. The, the the witch doctor. So we're gonna go through the next two classes a bit yeah. faster now. We're gonna we have we have one which is called the mystical player. Okay. Yes. All right. This one's pretty. Even okay. by name. This mystic schemer is is a control build. Uh, control support your facilitator mostly. Like you help your uh, like. Once you reach a point in D and D when you be, like when you play a lot of sessions, you don't care about doing them big numbers. You don't care about you become like your playstyle turns into that of a supporter, someone that lets people shine, let people enjoy their new experience at times. So in this build does that and more. Yeah, it, it's it's a facilitator and also it's a, it's a it's a control build. You start as a rogue. Your stats, you're okay. Let's start from the beginning. Your race is a half elf, dark vision, fey ancestry, and we're going with Tasha's uh, ASIs. So, plus two to intelligence, plus one to dexterity, plus one to constitution. Your abilities are 10 in strength, 15 dexterity, 13 constitution, 14 intelligence, 10 wisdom, and 10 charisma. Your background, you're going for criminal, calligrapher supplies, two short swords, leather armor, and thief's tool. And at level one, you get your rogue level, sneak attack. You have expertise and stealth and thief's tools. And you also know uh, thief's can't. Second level, you get cutting action, bonus action, dash, disengage, hide, very clutch. At third level is when you get your mastermind uh, subclass. Yeah. That's interesting. Extremely fun. You get some proficiencies with your master of intrigue. Disguise kit, forgery kit, and, uh, and uh, a gaming set. You get master of tactics. You can use the help action as a bonus action. Additionally, when you use the help action to aid an ally attacking a creature, that target that target of that attack can be within 30 feet of you rather than within 5 feet. So you don't need to be in the, in the middle of the fight. You can do it from a distance and you'll be safe. Then we start taking wizard levels. At level 4, we are wizard. We're skipping the ability score improvements. We're going straight into wizards because we want to get as much wizard levels as we can. You get first level spellcasting. I'd recommend getting Alarm, Detect Magic, Find Familiar, very clutch. Find Familiar can also help. Uh, you can make your, let's say you have an owl, you send him in, he can help. Scout, very versatile uses. Level. You like your pets, don't you? <laughs> yes. And as a cantrip here, I would recommend taking Create Bonfire, Booming Blade, and Flame Bolt. Okay. Booming, those are specific yeah. ones that not a lot of people <laughs> would pick. No, Create Bonfire is very nice. I recently saw how strong it can be controlling a battlefield blocking a, a very small path like with there's five feet enemies that walk through it take damage a lot of enemies will try to avoid it and so on and so forth at level five now we're level five here and so the focus of this build to reiterate is not damage you help your allies do the damage right we're gonna get our arcane tradition and we're going for divination now what divination does is okay. the following Roll two d20s, and you record those numbers, and you can replace them with any attack roll, saving throw, or ability check to your advantage or to your enemy's disadvantage. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So so far as a character, you are controlling the rolls. You're giving advantages. You're taking away good rolls from enemies. You're giving your allies good rolls, and so on and so forth. And <laughs> hence the, the the word schemer <laughs> and mystic, because well, you went into wizard. <laughs> yes. So yeah, clever name. I like. Okay. It. Later on. So how how long are we going into night levels into wizardry? So to give you a quick oh, summary, yes, yes. So you would want to pick up a lot of spells throughout the levels. 
as much as as much as people like to call us complicated, leveling is very easy. You just pick those spells, and I'll give you the spells. For example, so you, when you get your second level spells at level six, three levels into wizard here, you get cloud of daggers and hold person, most of which are very clutch. Hold of person for control works does wonders. Cloud of daggers is a very strong AOE ability. You can set it up. Control places, control locales, force enemies to walk around it, have any, like, you know, like, so many uses out of this. At seventh level, you're four levels into wizard, intelligence plus two. Third level, you get spell casting, third level spell casting at level eight, uh, which is five level wizard. You pick up. That's the fun one. <laughs> sure, you pick up fireball, you pick up counter spell, and you pick up fear. At level nine, which is level six, you get expert divination. Casting divination spells come so easily that that it expends only a fraction of your spellcasting efforts. When you cast a divination spell of second level or higher using a spell slot, you regain one expended spell slot. The slot you regain must be of a level lower than the spell you cast and can't be higher than fifth level. There are some good divination spells that you might pick up throughout your campaign with scrolls, but most of which that I picked for this are mostly control spells that are not necessarily uh, divination now at level 10 okay you're you get your fourth level spell casting and banishment is a must that's a strong that's yep. yeah level 11 you get intelligence plus two and level 12 you get mislead but by the time you get fifth level spells you have a lot of options that are pretty strong yeah so the flavor behind them like in terms of we had the warmonger you know the war-torn character we had the Witch Doctor, like the Necromancer yes. and whatnot. This guy, what's his flavor? Think of uh, someone that wants to take his fate with his own hand. Someone that was dealt a very bad uh, hand, uh, had the cards. Is that the saying? Right? Okay. And he wants to take control yeah. of things. So basically, someone that was, yeah. okay. someone wants to control his basically. own destiny. And another flavor that you can also see it is those uh, tarot card reading <laughs> Scoundrels, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that yeah, could yeah, be yeah. another flavor. But the mystic schemer, yeah, basically artist. a con artist could be. But this guy is actually the real deal. Now, for the final build that we have, is ironically the ah uh, that that the yeah. ironic that one has a lot of yes, lust. The twilight domain rune knight or the twilight glyph. Now, the twilight glyph is. Uh, like a uh, a combination of classes that are really really like because it takes it, it it's it's like it's uh it keeps getting stronger in so many aspects throughout levels and i'll explain to you in a bit how it's done so you start as a cleric twilight okay. domain cleric uh but first let's talk about ability scores you're going 15 strength 14 con and 15 wisdom and setting up your dexterity to tailor the important ones the important stats i would say strength wisdom and then con right having your con your wisdom around 16 would would be still good but mostly your strength for equipment i'd recommend the gold buy method you just need a chain mail and a glaive sadly even though you're proficient with martial weapons as a twilight domain cleric glaive is not an option so you have to buy it with the gold buy method and as for your description Two options, really. A soldier, if you want to keep it nice and simple. Or you can take the new subclass, the the, the rune uh, carver. Gives you a very neat... Uh, for the, the new yeah, it gives you a neat feat. It's not that strong of a feat, but like it's still, it's a good option for roleplay and whatnot. 
we said uh, cleric, twilight domain. You're a human variant, so you're taking the feet, pull, arm mastery. You're setting up your ASIs at plus one strength and plus one wisdom. You get first level spellcasting, so pick your favorites, like your supports, the blasts, healing word. So a turn one for you would look like you cast blast. Next turn, you can attack, bonus action, attack with the flux of the weapon, dealing consistent good damage. And whenever someone needs healing, you have healing word. You also get your domain spells, which are fairy, fairy, fairy fire, and sleep. Sleep is very clutch, specifically early on. You're proficient with martial and heavy armor. Now, you also get Eyes of Night, which is very strong for a human, because <laughs> humans can't see in the dark. <laughs> so, yeah, so getting 300 feet, yeah, 300 feet of dark vision, very strong. You also get Vigilant Blessing, which is, it's a decent feature. Basically, you get advantage on the next initiative roll. Now, at level 2, you get your Channel Divinity. Twilight Cleric Channel Divinity is extremely strong. Twilight Sanctuary, grant temporary hit points, and uh, you can end one effect, like Charmed or Frightened. At level 3, you get second level spells. That's again, pick your favorites. At level 4, though, we're doing something special. We're going for the Sentinel feat. Going for the combo between Polar Master and Sentinel. That's a cancer combo. Well, not necessarily. You just, like, a lot of people like to over like overstate how broken it is. But at the end of the day, you just stop one enemy as a reaction if your reaction hits. It's a very, it's like, it's one of those interactions that I really like. Because there's no such a thing as a taunt ability in D&D. And 5e, like a, like a like a reliant taunt ability that you could use. Like Compel Duel is one. The Kender Racial is another one. But they're very like hard to get with most builds. And what this character tries to achieve is being the frontliner support. And still doing good amount of damage. Uh, at level 5, you get your third level spells. And you get the most important spell for this character. Which is Spirit... I think it was called uh, a Spirit Guardian. Yes, Spirit, Spirit Guardian. Guardian. Now, as a melee cleric, Spirit Guardian is very strong. You do AoE damage to anyone that walks into your range, 15 feet range, if I remember correctly. And from there, you're going to do your first multi-class into fighter. And, yeah. Okay. Okay, so now we're... Level six, we're gonna multi yes. into fighter, right? Now, now for level as a fighter, level one, uh, you get a fighting style. Now, for this fighting style, if you're the only one in the front line, like let's say you're playing a campaign and all your allies are casters, I'd recommend just going for defense as a fighting style. But if you share the glory of war with an ally <laughs> being in the front line, interception <laughs> is a very interesting fighting style because you have ten feet of attack, so you can literally stand behind your ally and. While they get attacked, okay. you can interception as a reaction, lowering the damage that they receive. And you also get second wind for a very nice small self-heal. Level 2, you get action surge. So now you can cast spirit guardian, yeah. attack, bonus action attack. At level 3, you get your martial archetype and you're going to be going rune knight. You get bonus, yes, then you get bonus proficiencies, you can write, read giant, and you know blacksmithing now. And you get Rune Carver. Uh, and specifically, these two runes, I highly recommend them. The Cloud Rune and the Fire Rune. Cloud Rune just makes your your protection potential skyrocket. If you see a creature within, 60, within 30 feet of you get hit by an attack, you can use your reaction to invoke the rune and change the target if it's within 30 feet. So you can save your ally from getting hit and instead damage an enemy let enemies damage each other oh, so you're gonna be in the front line it's kind of yes and happen. you can also protect your other your your fellow frontliners and for fire rune it uh it gives you plus 2d6 fire damage 
And if they fail a strength saving throw, they're restrained for one minute, helping you control the battlefield even more, rooting enemies and whatnot. You also get Giant Smite. Now, you uh, as a bonus action, you become large. You have advantage on strength checks. Each On each turn, whenever you attack, you deal an extra 1d6 damage. Sure, the damage isn't that strong, but being giant comes with a lot of advantages on the battlefield. Being able to push enemies away, control the battlefield, and keep in mind, you have Spirit Guardian looming around you. You're walking your huge, intimidating presence, keeping your allies safe. Nice. You, you're there to take the aggro. You're there to keep your allies safe, to control the enemy's advances. Fourth level, you will bump up your strength by two points. And at fifth level, you're going to get extra attack, allowing you to attack twice. Now, you are very adept as a martial character, plus you're doing constant AoE damage. Plus, you have your spells to heal, to buff up your allies. And so, to focus more on the buffing aspect and the spells, we're putting our last two levels into Cleric. Giving us Steps of Night. You're topping it off at yeah, the end. Yeah, back to Cleric. Steps of Night. So basically as a bonus action, uh, when you are in dim light or darkness, you can fly. <laughs> now you can imagine a giant <laughs> knight with spirits flying this, around him. This character <laughs> could be a very big headache for certain DMs. Flying around. <laughs> and at seventh level... <laughs> Flying around with polearm and sentinel. And at 7th level, you get 4th level spells. There's a lot of strong spells. that You can just pick your favorite. Or upcast Spirit Guardian. So I guess that rounds up all 4 classes yep. for today. So to recap, we have the Warmonger. That we, we spoke about the Witch Doctor. And we spoke about the Mystic Schemer. And finally the Twilight Glyph Knight. So all these 4 builds, we produced a special short that's published once per day. That you'll be able to, you know, look at and give you a bit of perspective mm -hmm. on the lore, which comes back to another point that we talk about, which is the, the the world we're building. So every character can be used in any setting, but to to give meaning to every character, my job as a DM, of course, and it's not the player aspect is building worlds, and that's what DMs technically do. So to complement the characters that the Ali's building, we have to put them somewhere, and we created a world named Eldalore. So Eldalore is a new world that we're building and we're trying to fit all the puzzle pieces together and you'll be uh, going along with us in the ride. And in Tavern Talks, we're going to like every week bring you a podcast showing you all the new bills and well, technically four bills per week, which so it's going to be the, the four bills. We're going to talk about them and also give you a little bit of nuggets on how we're developing the world we're talking about. And the, tomorrow we're launching a new episode. It's going to be a long form episode. So once a week, there's going to be a long form episode that talks about the lore of Eldalore. And the first zone, or the first continent, I should say, that we're launching is the Ardent Waste, which every character that Ali's just built are located and originally from that area. Yep. Am I right? You have the half-orc from the half-orc tribes. You have the humans from their tribes. So it's going to be very interesting to discover exactly. where they come from and how they became the way that they are through discovering the world. Well, we're going to give a bit of background to every character, but does it mean you guys can't twist it to your own way or take the builds and put them in your own campaigns or use them with your own DM? Everything that Ali's building is not broken. It's yeah. basically taking from the DM's guy, from the player's handbook and all the supplements and trying to make something happen with it. We're going to bring you sometimes builds that are like goofy 
some builds that like where they're trying to make things work that don't work. We can try to experiment as much as possible and try to help players along the way. In terms of Eldalor and the lore that it offers, um, it's going to be an interesting ride because it's, it has eight distinct continents that are linked together and every single continent is going to have the races that live there. There are going to be homebrew races that we created from scratch mm -hmm. and the Ardent Waste has its own set of homebrew race also that we're going to be showcasing in a build very, very recently. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you subscribe, follow. Yep. You're listening to this podcast on YouTube. It's going to be on Spotify. It's going to be on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. So follow the podcast. Subscribe if on YouTube. If you're on TikTok, follow us too. And yeah, I think uh, for today's first episode, uh, we took a long time. So <laughs> I just realized I was talking for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It's a it very long fun. podcast. Hopefully, hopefully we didn't bore them. We didn't bore As you reached this point, you know what? Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, thank you very much for listening to uh, Tiny Tavern Talks. Oh, a little, a little nugget, a little side lore thing. So we called it Tiny Tavern Talks. The idea behind it is we have a bard mm -hmm. and he's a tavern owner. And this bard receives people, which is the characters we're introducing to you guys. They come in through this inn and he basically the way we're presenting it to you guys, it's a recollection of memories and his tales that he talks about everyone he met and the history of the world of Eldalore. Now this bard, we're not going to be spoiling too much about him. We're not going to spoil too much about the tavern itself. But we're like technically in it and you guys are in it with us. So every time we're going to pull up a podcast, make sure to grab a drink, grab some snacks, sit down, open up a fire if you're like in a cold area open up the ec if you're in a warm area and i'm gonna try to i guess nerd it out with you guys on dnd yep. anything else you wanted to add ali before uh, just one little point about the builds that we, um, that i'm creating uh being optimized and having very strong builds is fun and all but uh as i specified earlier this is not the focus something fun like nas said something that you can enjoy something you can translate into your table have fun with your friends, have a bunch of characters that synergize with each other, let each other like tell their, each other's stories and support. You know, it's a very fun thing when everybody's playing together and uh, I guess that's about it for me. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean we're not going to bring you guys all We're going to like try to cater to as many people as possible. Some people are optimizers like in our table you know i dm for uh, ali and some of some of our friends we have everything some optimizers some role players some quiet people who barely talk and we have to push them to talk you know and there's all that's the beauty about this game a lot of personalities can come together under one table and everyone can have fun of course so on our end thank you very much for tuning in guys this is first episode of tiny tavern talks and it's been a pleasure having you guys and yeah keep it up uh, listen to us and hopefully uh, you enjoy our thank time. you thank you for listening thank you and thank you Nas <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> see you guys next week